Well, I'm just uh, we're just down coming back on. Here I am. <laughs> it's been a long time. We've been on a 30 day absence. Uh, we've been taking a 30 day vacation, so we're starting all fresh again. So, I want to introduce our new guest tonight. It's going to be Dr. Renee Brown. Hello, Renee. She's Good evening. How you doing? We're great. We're great. And welcome to Knowledge is Power podcast live. And I am so excited that you'd join us tonight to answer questions about. The COVID-19 vaccinations. And we have questions and people who are online with us are going to have those questions as well. Drop us a comment, everybody. Also, my special guest, Miss Judith Smith. Hello, Judy. Judith is the Port Arthur Health Director in Port Arthur, Texas. And she's joining us as well. And along with my co-host, uh, Donna Sherwood. She's on the, in the right top right corner. Say, <laughs> hey, Hello, girls. Hello, guys. Hello. How are you? It's been a while. It's been a while. We've been gone for about 30 days, so we're back, and I want to let you know it's I'm trying to get all my equipment right like I need to, so just bear with me, and we're going to go. Along with Frances Larkin and my two hey. co-hosts. Hey! We, and you see her, if anybody ever, ever have never seen her, because she's been on here for the last 60, she's been on for the last 90 days, we're on a screen without person, so that's what she looks like. Right today, Tony. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm glad you, okay. you put it on there, Tony. I told right you today. When yes, she logged yes. on, I said, I can't believe we can see your face for a yes, time. Yes, I got a new yes. laptop. Yeah, great. Okay, well, yeah. look at God. Yes, great. We're so glad to have uh, the. Uh, also, my sponsors, uh, those are who was with who I'm with as a group, is the PPAC Ministry, and along with the uh, Christian Faith um, Leadership here in Beaumont, um, we are all in this together. So if you're seeing the show or you're watching or you're going to hear it later, please share with your friends, neighbors, and loved ones because this is very important because we want to answer every question that you have uh, regarding the COVID-19 vaccination. If you have any questions, drop us in the, drop your line, drop it in the comment box. The, the, they're here to answer your questions, okay? I'm going to start off with... Uh, uh, Judith Smith, Judith, um, tell us what's going on in Port Arthur about and, and about the uh, how many uh, uh, what is going on there in the health area. So you know, unfortunately, over the last month, we have seen such an increase in COVID nineteen cases, and many of them are children. And unfortunately, many of them are children who are of age to be vaccinated, but are not vaccinated. Um, we have the availability of the Pfizer vaccine, which is licensed for 12 and older. And we have Moderna vaccine that's licensed for 18 and older. We have that available, we have that available every day, Monday through Fridays at the Texas Artist Museum from 8.30 until 4.30. And occasionally we provide late clinics for parents who work. And so, you know, we try to make it as accessible as possible. Even today, our team um, gave um, vaccinations at Rock Island Baptist Church on the west side of Port Arthur. So we just really, you know, we, we have the availability there and we just are asking people to just please take advantage of it. But um, yes, we, we started seeing, I think mid-July, an increase in COVID cases and not necessarily in our elderly population and more so in our younger adults and children. Um, Judith, I, I have a question. I have a lot of people that are, meeting me with resistance well 
we don't know what's in the vaccine or we don't know what to expect down the road. Mm-hmm. Do you have any information that we can kind of quash some of these people that are waiting for some sort of negativity to happen in the future that hasn't happened yet, but they're looking for something bad to be going on? Can you kind of help us kill some of that noise? We do have um, information. Of course, it's information from CDC on common myths about the vaccines, that it causes sterility. That's one of the myths that it's it acts. It puts a chip into your body and there's a magnet. Let's see. We also we, we it's my favorite. So we we have um, um, a pamphlet or a um, um, information that we give. To, um, to people that comes in. And also when we talked to them, we did just recently our um, Constable Bates and Pastor Kaylin, um, Kaylin Gardner from First Sixth Street Baptist Church and Miss Adriana Fowler, beautiful young lady who lost both of her parents to COVID and myself, we did a Facebook Live trying to um, talk to the, you know, the community, especially the young adults, and try to dispel some of the myths that are going on. Many of them come to the Tams building. They're not sure. They're only coming because grandmother or mother sent them in and said, you can't come back to my house until you get vaccinated. And so we talk to them and try to tell them. We give them that information. And, I mean, that's basically what we do. We just try to get it over to them as best we can. Baby, you know, I hate to get off topic, but these young people, they will take Molly's and X and synthetic weed and uh, crank and milk and all of this stuff. They don't know what's in one of this stuff. They smoking and doping, but they won't take the vaccine, honey. I do not understand. And when I tell you it is beyond me, I'm like, you don't know what's in a lot of stuff. I don't know what's in aspirin. I don't know what's in Tylenol. I don't know what's in an antibiotic. Yeah. I don't know what's in the vegetables that I'm cooking, but it doesn't stop me from cooking them. And these people, all of a sudden, they want to know every uh, inkling, inch or iota of what's in something. Not that we would understand, even if we knew, you know. And I think you've done yourself a disservice by not taking the vaccine, worried about what could possibly be or not be in it, but you're doing stuff every day. That you don't know what's in it. Absolutely. I even tell them when you're putting that air pod or whatever in your ear, that's going straight to your brain. You have no idea how long that has been tested to see if it doesn't cause any problems with that. We try to tell them everything. I mean, I even share. I don't share names. Of course, I would never violate HIPAA. But I even tell them last week I reported a 31-year-old with no underlying health conditions. Mm -hmm. So you can't just assume because you're young and healthy that if you get covid that you will not have any problems. You can't assume that because that's what we hear all the time. I'm healthy, I exercise, I eat right. You can't assume that you will not have problems or complications. There was a young man in um, San Marcos, I believe, who just died. And Mm -hmm. he was actively protesting, masking and protecting children in the school system. And he just died of COVID. He was 30 years old. Four children. Wow. Can you guys maybe possibly explain what does the vaccine do? Not that it prevents you from getting COVID, but what it helps with the overall symptoms that come with COVID. Maybe we can uh, do a little breakdown of that, uh, Judith or, or Renee, please. 
please? Well, there's two vaccines. The one is the messenger RNA vaccine that everybody's extremely concerned about. Um, I get a little frustrated because there's this false sense of knowledge because a lot of things are being said about it. But, you know, we've been vaccinating children for decades and nobody knows what's in those vaccines. In it. Exactly. And they're safe, you know. So the science behind all of it can be very complex, but it doesn't need to be scary. So the messenger RNA vaccine is a brilliant vaccine. This technology has been utilized for 20 years. We've been studying, you know, COVID vaccines for many, many years. It's actually being used in, in Africa for Ebola vaccine for the last five years. It's been used in people to, to vaccinate them against Ebola. We have had no big adverse reports coming out of, of Africa for that. And it's a brilliant vaccine in that it, it delivers a message to your RNA to tell it to make a certain protein. And once it makes that protein, then your body says, what is this? This isn't supposed to be here and makes antibodies against it. What's really brilliant about it is you can change out the instruction of the messenger. So we can quickly, if this vaccine starts to mutate a lot, we can quickly change the message, the envelope that the, the, the messenger is bringing to the RNA to switch things around. Where a more traditional vaccine, you can't really do that. You're introducing a protein, your body is going to um, make antibodies against it. But a lot of that can be degraded before your immune system has a chance to do any work. So theoretically, the immune response is much more robust with the messenger RNA vaccine, which is why you're hearing 85% effectiveness, 95% effectiveness. And none of those are 100%, which is, again, why you still have to kind of be careful, mind your P's and Q's. But it does cut down the risk of severe illness and death tremendously. The people that we're seeing in the hospital right now are unvaccinated individuals. Mm -hmm. The people that are dying right now are mostly unvaccinated individuals. Um, vaccinated people who have had breakthrough infections, most of them are either asymptomatic or have very mild symptoms. There are very few breakthrough infections that have um, been serious. And, you know, and people will say, well, why should we even get it if we have breakthrough infections? But you have to think about all these people that have died compared to the ones that have had breakthrough infection. And when you're looking at percentages, there's just no comparison. And I think what we're having is a lot of misinformation. Well, I got the vaccine, but I still got COVID. The vaccine is sending a message to your body to fight harder. It's not preventing you from getting COVID. It's helping you fight COVID once you have it in your system. It's preventing the extreme circumstances and symptoms where you can't breathe, where you can't taste, where you can't smell, where you your balance is off or your whatever the case may be. The objective of the vaccine is to minimize the, the, the symptoms and the behavior that COVID would otherwise have had on your body that might have taken you out. Because I had somebody ask me the other day, well, if you can catch COVID with the vaccine, then what am I getting the vaccine for? You getting the vaccine that's going to prevent you from dying, okay? From those dire circumstances where you need to be ventilated, where you need to be intubated, where you have to be 
hospitalized. Well, maybe you don't have to be hospitalized. Maybe you can go home with a breathing treatment or maybe you can go home with a uh, 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 what do you call this? Uh, uh, a pump or uh, this stuff that helps you breathe instead of being stuck into a place. Yeah. You can still walk around and move around. You're not totally in in initiated with this COVID where you can't move, where you can't breathe, where you can't talk, where you can't move around. This is what the vaccine is doing. And I'm having a really hard time breaking this down for people. <laughs> Well, and people also have to understand this is paralyzing our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So it the hospital is full of COVID right now. The ICU is full of COVID right now. If you have a stroke, if you have a heart attack, if you're in a car accident, you don't have a bed. We're shipping people out of state yes. because there are no beds available. Your hospital should not be 40, 50% one problem. And that's what we have right now. The medical system is drowning. And so that's, that's dire. That's dire. So literally, if you're not on death's door, they're telling you, you can't come in, come back later. And that's, that's a terrible position to be in. You know, recently I was watching CNN and I heard this lady say, um, now it's not the time to come to the hospital. I, I was listening, but in my mind, I was thinking, she said, if, you, if nothing is actually bleeding on you or wrong with you, don't come. Like, in other words, this is not the time to be sick. This is not the time to fall and hurt yourself. Don't break your arm. Don't do nothing. You need to uh, basically don't in a bubble. And don't come. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe this lady just told these people, do not come to the hospital. Like, don't come here. <laughs> well, and right now in, in, in Beaumont and in Port Arthur, if you come to the hospital with COVID symptoms, and your oxygen saturation is above 85%, they will send you home. Your body doesn't like having an oxygen saturation of 85%. And you may or not may not be sent home with oxygen. So it's dire. It is dire. So if your oxygen saturations are less than that, and if they if somebody dies, they have a bed to put you in. Otherwise, they don't. And you're gonna be in a hallway. You might be in the ambulance bay still waiting. It's it's dire. Well, those of you who have questions, please drop your, us in the comment box, and we will be glad to answer your questions. The medical professionals here is here to answer your questions. If you have questions about your uh, about taking a vaccine, uh, I I can't answer, but that's why we have these professionals here to answer your questions. So uh, I've got to also let you know also as well that on um, the 4th of September, which is next Saturday, the Southeast Texas Faith and Community Leaders are having a COVID vaccine clinic at um, 2575 Wilson Street here in Beaumont at the Church of Jesus Christ. So if you haven't had a, ch- a chance to get a vaccination, please stop by there between 3 and 5 p.m. at the church, the Gospel of Jesus Christ Church, right there at 2575 Wilson Street in Beaumont. That's next Saturday. Um, so now I've got, I'm going to go to the coming boards. I've got one coming up here. Oh, no, she's just telling us how informa- informative we are. Right. Yeah, okay. So let me go here for, on the YouTube channel. Someone is, is, is uh, uh, can you guys read that from Gloria Miller? Yes. Okay. 
I wanted to explain a little bit because people do go online and they try to get information, which is fine. But, you know, information does not give you perspective. You need to talk to people that do it for a living. You don't just get this information in a vacuum. And one of the things that Ms. Miller is reporting is the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, or VIRS. Um, it's, and, and, and what she says is that there were 5,900 reports of death among people who received a COVID vaccine. Um, VIRS is a reporting system. It is not adjudicated, which means it is not investigated. Each report is not investigated to say that that is actually true or not. It's a general idea People can get drug companies. The CDC will start getting this data. They'll start looking at these reports. Is this anecdotal? Is there a cause and effect? Is it coincidental? So just because it's reported in beers does not mean that there was a cause and effect with this vaccine. It just means that there was an event that someone reported that was in the time frame of getting the vaccine. Now, let's assume, let's assume that 5,900 people did die um, after receiving the COVID vaccine, over a billion people have been vaccinated mm -hmm. with COVID vaccine. So if we're doing percentages, even if that was true, the 5,900, that would still be a very low yeah. percentage. And your percentage of dying, your risk of dying is much higher than that. Okay, we've got a lot of them. You got people Your sound is vibrating. You have a bad sound there. Pop in, pop out, pop out, pop it back in. <laughs> okay, we go back to the comment board right now, and let's see who we can answer one of the questions. Why Ladonna uh, sign off and sign back in so we can hear her? Very good. Uh, so, Mazel um, Thomas is asking, would you like to know why boosters is needed? And uh, we'd like to know if boosters, why boosters is needed, and do you need an antibiotics? No, do you need more antibodies? Antibodies, right. So boosters, I mean, again, again, we're doing this in real time, guys. So this vaccine has been out for a little over a year. This disease has been on the earth, as far as we know, almost two years. We're learning things in real time. Um, but if you look at all vaccines, I vaccinate people for a living. Most of them need to be boosted. There are very few that do not. So, again, the immune system is a very complex um system. So there, and, and the way it receives information, stores information, can deliver this information to protect you from a disease in the future can be very complex. So you have to look at the, the, the way the organism operates in the cell. And there's, there's just a whole host of things that need to be studied for people to understand how certain vaccines operate. Each one is not the same as the other. So when I vaccinate a child, I am boosting that child. I vaccinate it two months, four months, six months. I boost it again at 12 months. So that is a four-shot series where mm -hmm. we are continuously reminding the immune system, this is what I want you to fight. This is what I want you to fight. This is what I want you to fight. Remember, six months ago I gave you the last one. Now I want you to remember it again. Those are boosters. And that raises the response that the body has. So when this organism enters your body, it knows what to do. So there are many vaccines that are like that. We're looking at tetanus. We're looking at meningitis. We're looking at influenza. Every single year we need a, an influenza shot. Um, 
measles, mumps, rubella. That has to be boosted. You know, we give it to kids around a year of age. They get boosted again around four. And then we check pregnant mothers. If they're not, if their measles um, um, antibodies aren't high enough, we will vaccinate those mothers again to, you know, to boost their immune response. So the antibodies are the little armies, army men, fighters that are going to kill these things as they enter your body. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Brown. I've got another con a question here from uh, Cheryl Richard Jackson. She said, my child is positive for COVID with symptoms. I'm still negative and I'm fully vaccinated. He passed it on to his dad who lives with us. When should a child be sent back to school because I'm not comfortable sending him? Well, if he's symptomatic, he shouldn't go back to school. So he's still considered contagious. Per CDC guidelines, a child can be sent back to school 10 days from the beginning of their symptom showing symptoms if they are fever free over 24 hours. So you kind of have to count, you know, from that time. Um, if there are people in the house that are unvaccinated, they start a quarantine period. So people interchange the words isolation and quarantine. They're two different words. A person who actually has the disease is in isolation. They need to keep their butt at home. And if they're in a household with unvaccinated people, they need to stay away from them as much as possible so that they don't transmit it. But the other people in the household that are vulnerable are the ones now in quarantine. Quarantine is 14 days. People mix all those up. They interchange it all. And if you, you kind of have to think, a person who's already got COVID, the time that they were actually infected to the time that they showed in, they showed symptoms is going to be about four to five days. So the quarantine is just building in those days that it would take for you to start to show symptoms, if that makes sense. Um, I know it confuses a lot of people, but for a child who's been diagnosed positive with COVID, I'm going to find out when the symptoms started, when they were first symptomatic, and I'm going to count 10 days from that time, and that's the day that I'll put back to school. Okay. Latrice, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, on the quarantine and the isolation. So people that are in contact with people that have COVID, they should quarantine for 14 days. Am I understanding that right? Correct. Mm -hmm. If they have not been vaccinated, they need to be in quarantine. But if they have been vaccinated, they can carry on. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. Ms. We want to speed through that. We need to make sure we get that right. All right. Ms. Jackson saying thank you so much for answering her questions. Let's go back to the comment board. And we want everyone who has questions about the COVID-19 vaccinations. We're here to answer your questions. Please drop us a comment in the comment box. We're ready. To Latrice Pete. She is saying to the people that have had COVID, they suffered just about every symptoms really bad and got it for the second time. But the symptoms were far less than the first episode. In fact, less complicated than a few that have the vaccination. I, I'm, I don't know if that was a question or you are she's making a statement. Maybe she just wants some clarity on it. Yes. yes, it's, yes. That's anecdotal. That's actually not uh, backed up by science. Um, and if you think about a person who's gotten COVID, it's almost like be, it's being inoculated. So your body has formed antibodies. Um, so if they get it again, their body has seen it before. 
But, you know, there's anecdotal reports of people being reacting even worse because they were almost sensitized to the virus. So you can't say that you can't say that getting it and then getting it again is going to be better than getting vaccinated. There's no there's no proof behind that statement. Let's see if we've got any more on here. Let's see here. No, I don't think so. Let's see here. Well, I have a question. Sure. sure. Comment board. Well, really, mine is more of a comment and a question mixed together. So um, just from listening to some comments and stuff that's made in commissioner's court, I hear that there is an additional therapy treatment for COVID um, patients. Can you shed some light on Southeast Texas? Because I'm not sure how many people are aware that Jefferson County or Southeast Texas offers this to people in the area. Well, what it is, is Regeneron, which is what's called monoclonal antibody. And so these are manufactured antibodies, manufactured soldiers, if you will, that uh, are infused in a person early in the course of their disease to kind of sop up the virus so that the load that the body receives of virus is decreased. So it helps the body's immune system kind of get a hold of everything and, and, and they don't get so ill. There are criteria because it's not an endless supply of this this drug um, so there are criteria that that have to be used it's for kids uh, 12 and above kids less than 12 are not going to be um, routinely eligible for this except in a, in a study setting or in a tertiary care center um, as an adult there are some exclusion criteria you know and I'm sure Judith could tell you better than me um, I know on television, they're kind of making it sound like if you're positive for COVID, you just need to go get an infusion. It's mm -hmm. not that simple. Most pe people will do well with COVID. The ones that don't do well, and we can't always predict, but the ones that don't do well are the ones that start sliding fast are the ones that would benefit from the monoclonal antibody. So Judith, you might be able to say more about that than me. Unfortunately, I really don't know the full criteria because public health is only referring people there. And so they actually do the screening process. So I know that there is um, a screening form that's used, but I'm really not sure. We just refer the patients there. Now, what is the amount of time that the Regeneron is reducing the COVID or reducing the symptoms once they get the infusion? Do we have a proximity of time or time frame on changes of once you get the, the 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 treatment, the infusion, how long does it take off or what does it actually do? So within 24 to 48 hours, you should start seeing effects and it doesn't help everybody. So it's not, mm -hmm. again, it's not this golden bullet that's gonna you know, cure you um, so that you can go on about your business. Um, but it does, it do, if it's gonna work, it's gonna work relatively quickly. You know, viruses replicate in your body very, very quickly and they replicate inside the cell, replicate in huge numbers, explode the cell, and then all these new viruses go and latch on to other cells. That's how it can, can get a hold of you so quickly. Um, and once that happens, it's almost like the body got caught up short because all this activity took place inside so the police, I kind of visualize it as the police, you know, the antibodies that are circulating your blood are on the outside of the cell. They're not necessarily on the inside. So it takes them a minute to figure out that all you know what's getting ready to break loose. So this monoclonal antibody is kind of there waiting for these viruses to explode out of the cell, bind onto them and take them out of circulation. So now you're not going to have a trillion cells 
going through your blood. I mean, a trillion virus particles going through your bloodstream, latching on to all these cells, infecting you some more. Um, I did. We do have um, uh, some criteria for use that I did get um, over the weekend. Um, you have to be between the. I mean, the over the age of twelve. Um, your your weight has to be over eighty eight pounds. You cannot be on supplementing supplementary oxygen or no increase in your base oxygen requirement. So if you are an adult with COPD who's on oxygen, your oxygen requirement couldn't have gone up uh, and your symptom onset less than 10 days. So those are some of the criteria that they use. And then, you know, for adults, it's going to be, you know, there's, there's other criteria that can be used. So um, if someone's infected uh, and they have any questions, they should contact their primary care provider um, so that they can get more information on that. Um, with the different strains of COVID, are we doing more specialized testing that specifically tells you, do you have which variant of which thing, or are we still just doing the basic regular COVID testing, or do we have a specialized way of knowing, do you have SARS-1, do you have SARS-2, do you have the L strain, do you have the Delta strain? Are we doing that here in Southeast Texas? I know other places are. Or are we still in the phase where it's just like, oh, you got COVID, just period? Yeah, so there's a little bit of all that. Um, in the local doctor's offices, there is not um, a commercially available test that's going to tell you exactly which strain. It's going to tell you SARS-CoV-1 or 2. Um, there's combinations with the flu, uh, that type of thing. In the hospital setting, there is a PCR polymerase chain reaction test that actually looking at genetic material, and it can test for... 25 different viruses. So it can tell you a lot more specifically. And then there's surveillance. So there's surveillance in sewer water. There's surveillance in samples that go to the lab that they will kind of spot check and, and, and check the genetics of the organism to tell you, is it the Lambda strain? Is it the Delta strain? So that we can get an idea from an epidemiological standpoint where we are. But if you go to a routine doctor's office, they're not going to be able to tell you you have Delta. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering about, um, you know, my, everybody in my family basically had it. And, um, one of my family members that got it more severely, eventually it broke it down that, oh, well you have the Delta strain. This is why it's been resistant to so-and-so and so-and-so. And And I was just wondering, are we getting more specialized in the testing or we still, um, just in the beginning, you know, the regular COVID, no COVID, uh, phases. In the hospital setting and in the research setting, they can break it down further. I see a question about what parents can do um, as a pediatrician. I'm Tony. Mine? No, that was Tony. You're good, Dr. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I just saw um, um, a question from Ms. Thomas. Um, as a pediatrician, I'm sick about schools opening with zero safety standards for our children. Um, the way that they, you know, made mask illegal, mask mandates illegal is criminal and, um, not encouraging even the adults to wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask, we should be, we should be patterning the behavior we want other people to have. So as an adult, we should be wearing our masks so that our children see this is what we need to do. And so if we don't teach our children that 
you know, through our own actions, then, you know, how are we expecting them to be protected? So unfortunately, there's no vitamins, no potion that's going to protect your child from getting infected. Masking is one of the, the better ways to do it. Of course, avoiding people that are sick. But COVID, especially with Delta, I'm seeing all kinds of stuff. I'll see a sniffle. I've seen a kid vomit once. I've seen hives once. It can be very variable how these kids are presenting and they're sick. So, um, you know, trying to stay away from sick people, trying to stay spaced at least six feet apart. You know, the droplets is what is what's going to get people. So if we can put barriers like a face covering between our nose and eyes and mouth and this virus, the better. No, I just, I did all what Dr. Brown stated. I also just say, you know, I generally tell parents too. I mean, I know that they don't necessarily want to ask um, other adults that they are around if they're va un are vaccinated or not. You know, people have made that so political. But I do tell them if your children are too young to receive the vaccine, then you really need to keep them away from those who are unvaccinated. Absolutely. It's just Absolutely. What's that. Absolutely. And Absolutely. also make sure that everyone in your house that's 12 and older get vaccinated. Right. You right. know, have a bubble. Because we are reporting whole households, and that's the sad part when I see that there are 12 and up and adults who are unvaccinated and they have the ability to do so. It's one of the ways we can protect those younger ones who cannot um, get vaccinated. Right. It's traumatic for these children. You know, I just saw a um, comment, you know, takes his mask off. It's traumatic for these kids. They're looking at the news as well. They're afraid of, quote, unquote, dying from COVID. Even right. though their chances of that are low, but they're seeing this this data, this information, and they can't process it the way an adult can. And I'm going back to the lady that said about the vitamins. I know that in the beginning, I work in um, I work in the medical field, and there was this circulation that oh, you should take coordial silver and zinc and um, black seed oil and elderberry and these things so maybe that's what she was looking for some sort of but in my mind all of that just boosts your immune system it's not necessarily a remedy for not getting covid but anything that you can take elder, elderberry airborne zinc uh zycam or whatever these things are over the counter maybe that will just help you fight off infectious and disease cold and flu things that you would already maybe get that may also be in the family of COVID, uh, I guess that, that can't hurt you uh, to answer the lady's question before previously. Well, you got to be careful. I don't want to contradict what you're saying, but a lot of these things are not FDA studied. So they can say, you know, what, example, you're right. <laughs> there's 10 micrograms of colloidal silver in here. Nobody's checking. You have no clue what's in it. So you have to be very careful about that. Um, for the most part, you know, uh, a water-soluble vitamin like vitamin C, something like that, is going to be relatively innocuous. If your body doesn't need it, you're going to pee it out. But you want to be careful about things that your body may not process well that especially is not FDA studied. I'm glad you mentioned that, Doc. Go ahead. Straighten it out. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> Ms. Jackson's asking, uh, how long do you, you have to wait to get your child vaccinated after being diagnosed 
with COVID? Once a person's been diagnosed, the CDC is asking 90 days. Oh, wow. 90 days. Wow. Now, my question is, okay, I'll piggyback on that. You can get COVID again, though, right? Yes, you can. And we just had a kid who got COVID, tested negative. Six weeks later, got it again. Wow. But not as intensive as if you didn't have been vaccinated, right? Well, hard to know. I mean, it's a kid who wasn't of age to be vaccinated. He was younger. Um, but, you know, and, and, and it, neither, neither episode put him in the hospital, but it takes him out of school. It takes his parents out of work. You know, there are, there are implications to this. The, the, yeah. the, the yeah. domino yeah. effect. Yeah, I'm very concerned. Like you say, these people that get COVID, and I'm worried. Okay, so, I mean, and this is just on a sidebar since we're chatting about COVID, but my thing is this. Okay, you can get the vaccine. You catch COVID. You out of school for 10 to 14 days. You go back to school, you catch COVID. You out of school for 10 to 14 days. I don't know how many kids can get out of school for 10, 20 days and miss that many days of math and science and still be on track. Like, I don't know how that's going to work in the future. I mean, like you say, it's a domino effect. And the parents that have to miss these many 10 to 20 day episodes of COVID, what, what is going on? Right. And there's no accommodation for these kids at home. So you cannot be homeschooled if you have an infectious disease. Wow. Okay. One more question. Guys, it's been a great, great informa- informative session we've had here this evening. We need a part two. Yeah, we need a part two. Now, what? What? And Doctor Doctor Brown, you have been very informative. Very informative. I, I've learned something here tonight that I I have to I have to invite you back. You know, we've got yes. we've got to get you and a great pediatrician to my daughter. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, very okay. great. Yes, yes, and uh, and um, I'm about to say Dr. Judith Smith, but <laughs> <laughs> Health Director of Port Arthur, Judith Smith, and thank you again for joining. This is her second time on the show, and we 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 started this, I guess, last year, a year and a half ago when COVID be, uh, first began to be active, and uh, Ms. Smith would join us, and we had a. a had a show with her, and she's going to give us information on account of all those who are affected with the COVID. But again, people, the hospitals are filled. The beds are filled. If you fall and break your toe, it's going to get in a hospital. So get vaccinated. We've answered some of the questions that you've asked about, that you want to know, and those who are watching and listening Please get vaccinated. And don't leave out, Tony, if you're vaccinated, don't be hesitant to get the booster because that's normal. And that is a part of the process. And we need to be proactive instead of reactive. We need to get in front of the curve. Do not be afraid to listen to the science and follow your doctor's advice. 
if they say that you're eligible to be vaccinated and that you're eligible for the booster shot number three or four or whatever the case may be, carry yourself down there and let's be proactive. Let's get in the front of this. Let's not mm-hmm. be in the group that is waiting for something bad to happen. Let's be in the group that is positive, that is waiting for something wonderful to happen, something exciting, something good for a change. Um, I'm super excited about this segment, and I'm super excited to have Dr. Brown and Mrs. Smith here to talk to us about possible vaccinations and the benefits of being vaccinated. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to say thank you again also as well. So thank you again for joining us on Knowledge is Power podcast live. We appreciate your uh, uh, your information that you've given us, and also the, Christ, the Southeast Texas Christian uh, uh, Christian leaders and the PPAC, we appreciate you as well. Amen. And and uh, we'd like to visit again and keep our community uh, more informative about what's going on in our area. So, Francis. All right. In the words of my co-host, again, we appreciate you guys for stopping by and giving us uh, uh, some more knowledge because, of course, on this show, we believe knowledge is power. Thank you for having such an impact on our community and keep doing what you're doing. And you guys stay safe. Y'all, too. All right. Thank you for watching Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge is Power social media pages.